Hey, I'm Akko. And I'm Marcy. And welcome to the Color Pages Book Club, <laughs> a bi-lukey podcast that focuses on fiction, fantasy, and magical realism written by writers from Colorful Backgrounds. Yes, Colorful Backgrounds indeed. And today, today, today... We are going to be finishing <laughs> Birdie by Tracy Lindbergh. And I am so, I'm very curious how this episode is going to go. There's a lot to discuss. There's much to discuss. Um, yes. But yes, I'm excited. There is. Yes. We should probably tell you off the cuff, off the bat. What's it called? Off the, off the, off the bat, right? Off the bat? Off the bat. I think you're right. Off the bat. I think it can what? be also off a cuff. Because no, usually think, people say off the... Well, I think off the cuff means something else. I think it might mean when you're speaking like improvisationally. I agree. Like off the cuff, I just said... Or, or you, I mean, usually I'll say like, oh, like off the dome, I said this. Mm-hmm. So but I, I think, think off the... I think off the bat is right. But now okay. I'm trying to think about... The, <laughs> I just... I guess I'm just wondering why. Like, is right. it the off the... Is it baseball? I mean, girl, I get. I mean, because it's not like you hold things off, like on a bat. So off the bat, it's like, is it? Aren't most things off of a bat? Like if I try to put something on a bat, it's gonna fall off. <laughs> like, I, like right. I just don't see. Like it just seems like off is more the default of a bat than on. And that's a very good point. Who's balancing right? things on a bat? Okay, well, maybe bat usage has changed over the last, you know, a thousand to two thousand years. I don't know. Maybe the bat community can like chime in here, but yeah, <laughs> I'm really just like I don't really fucking know. But um, also, I think we are assuming that we're talking about, you know inanimate object when we very well could be talking about the animal wait is it really are we talking about right off the is are we literally talking about actual bats i'm 100 percent sure that's not true okay (laughs) i was just honestly fucking around all right so but (laughs) you know everyone's like my god um Um, i don't know how to transition out of that but marcy i have (laughs) a question (laughs) oh god we love we love controlled chaos yes friend what is your question um before we get the question the thing i wanted to say off the bat was that this episode (laughs) is a bit traumatic um or the the subject matter of the episode is a bit traumatic with incest Mm. child molestation and domestic violence therefore Mm. if you don't even want to start come back next episode or go to the episode before because sometimes you know you just want to know before you invest right like a bad cryptocurrency you just want someone to tell you ahead of time (laughs) not bad (laughs) (laughs) my god Uh (laughs) (laughs) back to the question at hand yes friend in this book the whole book really birdie or bernice Mm -hmm. the main character is going through a lot of changes. I mean, the whole book is a metamorphosis, one, one would say. An odyssey mm-hmm. through the mind. Um, mm-hmm. And her process of doing that looks one way. I wanted to ask you what your process of changing looks like. Hmm. What my process of change looks like. Jesus. Um, <laughs> it's really interesting, actually. I feel like, I mean, yes, sometimes like when I meditate and things like that, like that can bring up some like insights. Journaling has always been something that is can be very illuminating. But I find more recent, like in my 
like the recent past, like past maybe two years, I find that like there are just certain things that just it's like a slow. You know how like in like a YA like romance novel, it's like a slow burn. I feel like it's mm. kind of like that. Like I find that sometimes, like I mean, I'm definitely an external processor. Like I'll be just like talking to somebody and say something that like surprises even me. I'm like, wow, I didn't even know how I felt that like that I felt that way. But then at the same time, that's not even fully true because I actually did kind of knew that I felt that way. But like it just it it, it was like kind of simmering. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. And then when it came up, I was like, ah, yes, yes, yes. Those are the words that one would use to describe the feeling. But the feeling itself is like fairly familiar. So I feel like my process of change, it just kind of looked like observing the desire to change internally, maybe doing some journaling about it, and then just kind of reaching a place, almost like an abrupt place of acceptance of the change and then working towards the change. Like, I feel like that's usually mm. what it kind of looks like more recently. I'm just like, okay, cool. I guess it's true about me now. Great. And then I, we just sort of move forward. Um, like in this book, I mean, Birdie's going, I mean, she's literally going on this whole spiritual journey, like literally just like not eating, just very much in this like dream state. And I find that I don't, not to say I'm never in that space, but it's mm. not like that's from that space emerges a deep truth or at the very least, if there is a truth, it's, it surfaces something that I always kind of knew was a little bit there. I, I guess I can't really recall the last time I like went on some deep journey and realized something that I just never, ever like at any point ever considered before. If anything, mm. I guess moments like that help to just sort of maybe, maybe even just gain confidence in things that I always knew to be true. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think sometimes like I just get to a point where I'm like, ah, yes, this, and I'm like, okay, great. Um, so I actually have the waffles instead. Um, like literally just going back to my life. So um, a little bit anticlimactic there, but I feel like, yeah, generally that's kind of what it's looked like more recently. Hit me up when I go through some like radical change in my life, like literally just like completely flip the script on everybody. But yeah, right. just kind of just observing it. And then usually once I vocalize it once, I'm kind of like, okay, well, this you said it. it out yeah. loud. So here we are. And I think therapy really kind of taught me that a little bit. I'm like, okay, well, you said it. So you got to do something about it. You can't just, I mean, you said it out loud. Mm. Like, I mean, people heard you. I mean, if not people, you heard you when you're a person. So I just, I don't know. I feel like we should just say the thing and do the thing. So, right. For some reason, you saying that made me think of like Marcy sitting in a cafe and then the waitress is like oh do you want pancakes or waffles and then like you go pancakes but then you like sit with it for a while and like everyone else is sitting at the brunch table and like no one else (laughs) knows what's going on and then you're like i recognize inside myself that i actually want waffles and then you're like this has been a truth i've known my entire life and so then you know the, the waitress is like so pancakes and you're like actually and you like fold your um your your menu and give it to her and you're like i would like the waffles and everyone's like "Hmm, that's a very regal response it's a very simple breakfast inquiry but the waitress somehow understands that it's been a journey and she's like right right oh my god and then like the light from the window pane hits me at like a really really flattering (laughs) angle there's like some like dust floating in the in in the air a little bit and it's just i don't know the the refracted light is just really giving me kind of like a philosophical look in the in the server is like how did you we know, get here? I've been working this job for 30 years and you know what seeing it's moments like these that just um, I just there's dead. so much there's so much truth there's so just so <laughs> honest, my god free bill for everybody y'all don't even don't even pay for it y'all got it it's fine and then I eat the waffles <laughs> and they slap 
So it was the right choice. It was the right choice. <sighs> yes, but also, but also, pancakes are superior mm. to waffles. Like, oh. let, let us be clear. Let us be clear. Ooh. Pancakes always superior. Always, always. Literally, not a competition. Um, I, I don't. But I mean, we didn't even consider French toast. Like, I feel like there's a lot of things. <laughs> We didn't even put in the running for you to just go ahead and say that pancakes are French toast like got that. chopped before the competition even began. Like literally, it, was like, it wasn't even invited. It was not sent the link. Um, They're like French toast. You got bronze. Sorry. Yeah, I'm so sorry, Sistrin. We don't but... know who the winner is, but we know the winner's not. <laughs> I mean, we. I mean, we know the. I mean, pancakes certainly the winner. But oh, you know. well. Mm. Yeah. So, um, because I just feel like there's only there's the only point of eating a waffle is like if it's soft like a pancake. So why not just eat a pancake? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like like why go through the middle person? I just feel like it's silly. Mm, I I just really I just really value my time, Akko, and so (laughs) I just really and and listeners, I just I just really want that to be known. Um, so I just feel like the crispy factor of the waffle (laughs) really, you know, I don't know, it elevates. The dining experience, and and what about the syrup pockets? Where's where are the where are the syrup pockets for pancakes? I don't see. But it. like, so not that the devil needs an advocate, but uh, <laughs> I'm gonna just apply for that role real quick. So, you know, I just feel like I mean, yes, the syrup pockets for sure, but like I'm like. If you're like having to munch and crunch, like you're eating something super hard, like you might as well just put like syrup on ice or syrup like on a rock. Like, I mean, what's really the difference? You know what I mean? Like, it's like I gotta crunch anyway. <laughs> syrup on a rock. So I just feel I'm like why dead. even de- why bother with the waffle? Because I'm like, if you want something crispy, just have like the chicken next to it. You know? All right, I just want to make one logical point that I don't think we've considered. Mm-hmm. When you're in a hotel, okay, what is usually the breakfast item that is the go-to? It's waffles, not pancakes. Not because they're hard, but because there's a better <laughs> chance of getting it right more consistently. Pancakes, yes, you can have a great pancake. You might even have mm-hmm. a phenomenal pancake, but a bad pancake is more likely. Even a mediocre pancake is more likely. <laughs> so I would say maybe the best pancake, maybe, beats the best waffle. Maybe. I'm not even sure I'm going to give in to that, okay. but maybe. <laughs> but there's, a, there's an inferior pancake beat out an inferior waffle i don't think so i don't think so that's okay but see but but basically what you're saying then is that like okay well like we should default to waffles because it's just easier like do we not deserve bliss (laughs) do we not deserve the extra effort i just feel like we deserve that i feel like we're entitled to that and I just don't believe in settling, you know what I mean? Like, but you know, like it's just, you know, one, you know, one person to the next. But I mean, okay, I will say this. I will say this. It's not mm. that waffles are bad. I do mm. okay. I I feel like people were like, yeah, bitch, are you sure? And I'm like, yes, because <laughs> um, you know, like like I've had like I've had chicken and waffles. Like, let me keep it a stack. They're, like it, mm. like they can uh. slap. But mm. even the, but, but rarely have I had a waffle by itself, like just just a little ah. bit of syrup or whatever, and just called it a day and was like, this hits. Pancakes could do it all day. Could do it all day. Waffles are a great compliment. Waffles are like the cauliflower of breakfast foods. Ooh, it's real adaptable, real malleable, really could work with a lot of different, <laughs> absor- like really a really great partner. I feel like. I want to date waffles, but pancakes, chill. <laughs> when, when are you free? You know, like, it's just like, that's kind of what it's giving. Um, does that make sense? I don't know. <laughs> like, Look, all I know is you can have a waffle cone. You can't have a pancake cone. Consider uh, this. Okay. <laughs> you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to fight you on that. I'm not going to fight you on that. You're right. I mean, you're right. Because if you eat ice cream, I mean... Okay. Okay. You know what? I really like this intellectual exercise with you. Um, 
Speaking what of is, which, if the yes. listener also thinks which one is better or worse, you know, that's that's an email. That's an email to thesecolorpages at gmail.com. Hey, interestingly, I guess I should probably answer the question that I uh, you know, yes. pose to you. Probably don't want to answer it because my <laughs> answer isn't that good. You know, like when you're in class and you just try to distract from the question because you didn't do the mm-hmm. reading? That's right. also not having the answer. To I just really think question. that's a. Re- I really think we should situate ourselves in that question. Um, <laughs> I, I really want to be mindful about making sure we don't we don't rush to respond. Um, because I just think that there's a lot of nuance. I, I really want to make sure I'm capturing that before I say anything. I just further. want to focus um, on the one chapter that I actually read. Anyway, so um, <laughs> I think I am. The reason I don't have an answer is because I am going through changes right now. And Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm doing it very gracefully. And I actually think I'm more similar to Birdie in the sense that Mm -hmm. I feel like my mind is a catacomb of various rooms, doors, and caves. And I don't always know what's in it. It's kind of like in that Mm -hmm. episode of Teen Titans, like way back throwback, where they go into Raven's mind. And Raven's like... Uh I, like, she's like, this is a trip for me. So to bring a companion makes this even more right. of a task. And mm-hmm. so for me, I've done changes. And, and I also think there's different, different ways of changing. Mm-hmm. In the same versatility that a waffle has, I think there's different types of <laughs> Okay, because <laughs> no, a pancake but, can be, uh, you know, it's fine. I, I'm, I'm not going to interrupt you. You got it. You got it. You got it for him. Because, the, the, but there are small changes, right? There are changes mm-hmm. uh, that are you, things you already knew and are now willing to admit and live in, in this body. Mm-hmm. And then there are changes that change fundamentally how you feel about your life, about existence. Um mm-hmm. There are changes that are in relation to someone else. So I change in relation to you, you know, any parent, sibling, mm-hmm. aunt, uncle, person will understand this. The 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 entrance of another player <laughs> into the game causes a change. Mm-hmm. And you might mm-hmm. not have known you had that change in you. And mm-hmm. and then there's a change I think too of reexamining all the things you didn't examine, which I think is what Birdie is going through. And, and I mm-hmm. I relate to that really heavily. And that change can be really scary because it's a change to the fundamentalness of yourself. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And I think it takes time. So the listener's like, yeah, but what, what do you, what's your process? My process of changing is also changing. <laughs> Um, I historically have either pushed something down and just been like, (laughs) why think about it? Or I just, you know, maybe I didn't, maybe I became someone else without, without Mm -hmm. examining who I have been and why I've been that person, you know, Mm -hmm. um, almost like a running away. Oh, like birdie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Until that kind of runs out. And then you have, for me, I've had to do this thing of changing by allowing myself to sit with all the things that maybe have made me uncomfortable up to this point. And Mm -hmm. to give myself space for those things and to accept, accept 
me. <laughs> There's a really beautiful line that I'll say in my quote section that I liked from this book. But so even my changing is changing, <laughs> which mm. is like inception level changing. Um, right. And the only process I've had for that is just stillness, which is antithetical to capitalism. But mm. yeah. And, and you know, Marcy, I still think you're right. Marcy's like, of course. Not about the pancake thing. But <laughs> oh my, okay. So, you, so, we, so what we're not going to do is let it go, apparently. Okay, interesting, interesting. Heard you, okay. But I think, <laughs> I think it's that you, you are right about deep down knowing mm-hmm. what it is, even if you've hidden it from yourself, even if you've spun, you know, an intertwined weave so tight that you're not, mm. you don't think... You don't think you can know, but mm-hmm. to be human is to know, you know, right. it, it, it's to be instinctive and intuitive. You don't get out of it. You know, you mm-hmm. know, you may have forgotten. You may have chosen to forgotten. You may have been forced to forget, mm-hmm. but you can always trust yourself to remember may need a therapist. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Couldn't hard, hurt. Hard. Yeah, I, I'm going to just say, therapist wouldn't be the worst person worst to thing. accompany you no. on. The, like, if there are only three slots, I just feel like therapist could be one of them. Maybe right. all three. So Maybe all three. And, and or if it's, and it doesn't have to be traditional therapy. Not every type of therapy. Work. Like, talk therapy doesn't work for me. Um, different, uh, you know, EMDR is a great therapy. Brain spotting. Dance therapy, Mm -hmm. yoga. Yoga's not therapy per se, but something physical in your body. Mm -hmm. Someone else might be like, yoga is very therapeutic. You're right. I'm not trying to take anything away from anyone. My my point is that um, even if it's not, and and I think this is kind of Birdie's point too in the book, even if it's not the traditional Western idea of things, Mm -hmm. having a companion (laughs) on this journey would be helpful. Mm-hmm. Just know you're not to do it alone. All right. So yeah. change is change. Awesome. Wonderful. Deep. Hey, you know what? <laughs> There's definitely a summary to be had. So we're going to take a break and mm-hmm. come back. Ooh. Sounds good. See y'all in a bit. And our yes, so Akka was done, you know, meandering through the question, and um, we're here to give you a nice summary of a book that actually in the second half was honestly it made all the pieces come together. Uh, yeah, not lie. It, yeah, did that. It's it definitely made it all more clear. So you know, not making any promises that we got this right, but we're like at a B plus when like yeah. you know. <laughs> I feel like he's giving a minus, honestly, like not for nothing. Yeah, I mean, I I I would turn this in and be like, I I have excelled in this class. Like, like it's like not even like I pass. Like we have we have thrived. So right, you know, it's at least a ninety. So um, tenth percent. (laughs) Okay. So what's really great about the second half is we sort of get the perspective of Lola. Aunt Val and Frida as well. So we get the mm-hmm. first half of the book. This didn't really happen. It was mostly 
just Birdie, but we kind of get, yeah, some split chapters where we learn more about everyone's past. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if we completely got the timeline right in part one, but yes, so Birdie did go to foster care. I know we were not sure about that in part one. Yeah. And then she wasn't housed for a while, years, I would say. And then Mm -hmm. she did go back home. And this Mm -hmm. is when she burnt down her uncle's house or a house, likely one that her Mm -hmm. uncle lived in. It's unclear. But this is, yes. Did did we mention that in part one, that she burned the house down? We didn't. But we did mention that someone called the fire department. And it was Ah, a little confusing as to why they would just call. I I honestly chalked it up to being Canada. I was like, oh, they don't call the police when someone's having a bad time. They call the fire department. I'm like, oh, that's actually a pretty, (laughs) you know. They're always saving cats from trees. The, Canada I mean, would, but that's not... No, listen. Canada wouldn't. There was just a fire. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to clarify that going into part two. Okay. So the first part of part two starts with us kind of from Aunt Val's perspective, and she's getting ready mm-hmm. for a date. And we get the sense that Aunt Val is more confident, I would say, of her and Maggie and even Frida and Bertie. But she still has mm-hmm. her struggles too. And it kind of feels like... A lot of the things that Maggie dropped or let go of, Aunt Val had to pick up. And did she pick it up perfectly? No, but mm-hmm. <laughs> believe me, picking up things perfectly is a very difficult task. So in the past, you see her telling Bertie that her mom was doing her best before she, she went and that she loved her. And obviously, Bertie is more than a little ambivalent about this, <laughs> mm-hmm. understandably. And... Mm-hmm. um Internally, we kind of see that uh, Val wishes that Kokom, their grandmother, I believe, yeah. was there. Mm-hmm. Well, it would be Bertie's grandmother, but Val's mom. So she thinks that if if her grandmother was there, she would know what to do about what Bertie's going through because it's kind of hinted at that she also shifted in a different way. Um, mm-hmm. So... That's that's kind of there. And then we kind of switch to Lola's perspective. And she's, this is in the present day, and she's like mm. playing <laughs> poker with her friends who are called the Whippets, which oh my God. if like they weren't kind of aho, I'd be like, that's a great name. But they also <laughs> don't have names. and They're just Whippets, <laughs> one through four. Um, <laughs> like, it's literally like an unfinished screenplay. And then like, and side characters, one through four. But um, right. we get the sense. Like but literally they, a cloud of a character like not even real like i'm like are y'all real people like i don't know like i just feel like you know how like in um bojack horseman it was like those three kids who was like in that um trench coat yes yeah and they were dating that cat <laughs> yeah it's like, giving that like it's like are y'all four individuals or are we all just in a trench coat you know what i mean right but yes right are we one person <laughs> like, or bitch, four people? What? <laughs> like, or maybe um, a little bit of the deweys in a way um yes very much yeah. dewey tees yes but you know it's so it's interesting because you even though they're kind of you know side characters one through four they do have their their point <laughs> is to show, show all of them aging in society as women so they met the mm-hmm. four of them on a beach somewhere sun tanning and they've gone through you know loves marriages divorces hard times good times etc and so you're seeing women of an older age which i think is the purpose is to show a realistic mm-hmm. view of women after you know <laughs> 25 they're like yeah mm. the fairy tale ending and then what happens 10 years later when it's not a fairy tale anymore okay so mm. that so that was in- interesting it was it was fun they just happened to be racist though so like that wasn't great <sighs> which um yeah 
I don't know. So that's annoying because I'm like, I've, I mean, even I, Lola, like, I'm like, I want to root for you, but like, God yeah. damn, like, just, ugh. Yeah, you know, the annoying thing about racism is that you're just like, did you have to? Like, like we were literally having fun, though. Like, we, like, could have all had a blast, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But And also, like, understanding your humanity, feelings, traumas, and experiences, would it be such a leap to experience that maybe other people have those same complexities right. instead right. of using it as a way to look down on people? Uh, Akko yep. says in the corner, and Lola, who actually has past experience with domestic violence, looks at Akko wondering if she's in the story or not, but is like, actually, I was thinking that as well, Akko, and I'm worried about Birdie because I've seen the marks on her arm and using my own feelings and sentiments and know-how, I I see that in her reflected and I slowly dissolve my own prejudices to understand everyone's humanity. And Akko mm. slow clapped before disappearing into the story. <laughs> so <laughs> we then learned that like Lola doesn't dislike Val and Frida being there. And she kind of notices like Frida's nervous energy as well as she also has some, some marks on her arm. And so they're slowly kind of awkwardly, <laughs> I don't know, relating to each other. You know, that process of like, you're when you're finally like, yeah, I guess I do like you and like you around. Um, anyway, so we then switch back to Aunt Fal, who's sitting by Bertie's side, watching over her, and kind of reflects on her past and how she she was really worried when she came back and couldn't find Bertie, and that's when Bertie ran away as a teenager. Mm-hmm. And she also she then reads Bertie's report from the mental health institution, and that's where we the audience and she Aunt Val learned that Bertie mm-hmm. definitely killed her uncle in the house fire. Um, yep. And so Val is shocked and asks Bertie about this, but Bertie is not there. She's doing something. So she doesn't get a response. Then we kind of enter this flashback where Aunt Val is taking care of her grandmother and we learn about Aunt Val's dating life. So she and Maggie, who's if you guys recall or don't recall, that is Bertie's mother. They were all, mm-hmm. they were both in, in love with the same man. I just remembered a song like that, but I'm going to keep going. So, wait, 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 what song? So, oh my God, okay. It's too many tangents. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bernie's, um, they're both in love with the same man. That man is Bernice's father. And <gasps> they were both teenagers, I know. And Anfell also actually had, a, we also don't know anything about this man. I, we really. I mean, yeah. he doesn't even get a name like the Whippet. He he's literally just a blank space. And he's, anyway, so <laughs> like yeah. in the cast section, it's just it's just a skip. Like it's just you just see like enter, <laughs> someone press enter twice, and there's just a space but no name or print, and you're like, right? I think that was supposed to be a character in the story, and they literally got chopped. Like I don't know what the fuck happened. Um, so truly, someone's like a page is missing, and then the director's like, hmm. Anyway, so. <laughs> It's like I was looking at payroll and huh? It's like okay, so you really we okay, cool. And truly, truly nothing. But well, yeah. So they both actually had a a kid by him, the one in the brackets who has no no name. But um, Aunt Val actually ended up giving her child up for adoption, which I don't know. I'm I'm wary of giving your child up for adoption in the context of First Nation peoples, knowing the history of the Americas and their desire to to break up indigenous families. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to footnote that. 
um to yeah. like get to 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 like lift that history so mm-hmm. yes anyway so she sees in Birdie kind of the daughter that she or child I suppose that she she didn't have that she lost um and that makes her relationship with Birdie complex right it's like this life I didn't have then Maggie got got the guy in the end because you know such and such but then maggie left and then this is my kid but i have to work out that this is actually not my biological child you know and it brings up all these memories Mm. a lot to deal with love is complicated so then Mm. we get a bit on frida and we see her experience first meeting lola and she's like (laughs) and um (laughs) we we learned that frida is kind of an anxious you know her coping me- mechanism and we'll see why later is an anxiety you know and she a lot of need to fill in a silence which you know there's a good portion of the population who's like mm, me is that me am i and then you know so and mm. then we find out a little bit about her dating history and it seems she only dates quote-unquote loner white men and just to give some context if you remember frida and Bernice for a while go to a mostly white, if not all white school. And she kind of explains that an intersectionality that I think is pretty true and pretty, um, it's, it's like a cultural subtext that possibly you, a lot of people would, would miss out on, is like if you were a minority group in a majority school um, and mm-hmm. your your group is looked on less favorably, then the only people who would relate to you are other people who are also um, outsiders to that society, right? Because there's mm. a social stigma to your group of people. And people think they're, or maybe don't, they don't. A lot of people think that their desires are their own, but more people than not are controlled by their social stigmas. Like, let's be real. And mm. so, and, and in her mind, she's like, you know, even she's like, is this about me or is this about your identity as an outsider and and how that makes us the same? But there's a big difference between being an outsider to a culture that you are seen as a part of and being an outsider because of your culture. Um, right. So there are two different things. But she eloquently discusses that in a very like succinct way that Akko may be nailed but only partially anyway so we come to understand that Frida (laughs) is both sympathetic to Birdie but also relieved that this mental crisis that Birdie is going through she's not experiencing and that's going to be a common string in their lives that will explain (laughs) Marcy will be able to explain later but um Mm -hmm. But yeah, so she walks in when she first sees Birdie and thinks, thank God it's not me, knowing that it could very well be her. (laughs) Um, Mm. So then we get this flashback to actually Birdie in foster care. And she's trying to make herself as unnoticeable as possible, um, both in the school and kind of in her (laughs) her foster parents' house. And Mm. the family, they're, they're pretty nice, you know, they they want to care and they try to care and you know they have money mm-hmm. and so they're they're thinking of birdie's loss in a matter of money and scarcity mm-hmm. which if you're the majority culture that you know cultural loss would be not something you would necessarily think about and so you know there's a point where birdie's kind of hoarding food because she's you know scared that she might have to leave again and they're like mm-hmm. Birdie's hoarding food because she doesn't think we have enough food. And Birdie's like, no, I just don't oh have God. the presumption of safety. And I might need to leave y'all at any given time because of the right. various traumatic experiences I've had in my past. And they're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, no, Birdie's not, mm-hmm, so quirky. Susan. Silly Birdie. I'm like, yeah. yeah like all that shit, girl. So 
Yeah. So it's uh, well-intentioned isn't even the word I want to use. It is an unexamined, um, you know, it's kind of like when we talked about the difference between pity and compassion and maybe this is a spectrum, Mm. but if it is a spectrum, they're kind of on the four of with pity being zero. They're not on the six (laughs) with compassion being 10, you know, (laughs) period. Right. (laughs) So yeah, but but any case, and so and and then they say something odd when she co- goes to visit her her family, and she comes back and and kind of has a negative reaction. They say something kind of derogatory that I didn't love either, uh, kind mm-hmm. of implying that they're a bit condescending. Anyway, so she left at but 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 to nuance the whole thing, she did get kind of time to rest and like be okay, <laughs> and she's grateful for that time to not be and just consistent danger and fear mm-hmm. which because it ends so at 18 she leaves and she spends a few years unhoused and um she spent it like a majority of that time shifting and kind of disappearing into herself but also relying on others for survival and then we get this okay trigger trigger warning cool we'll tell you when to come back um, so she has this flashback of a time where she and Frida were doing this, you know, winter's play together and they couldn't afford costumes, which, you know, it's a wider, more affluent school. And so this is, they, mm-hmm. they have to have the costume. <laughs> so her mother, mm-hmm. Maggie attempts to make one and ultimately gives up and sort of, you know, just kind of doesn't want to do it anymore. Kind of detaches herself from the whole thing. So mm-hmm. Frida goes to Val and Val, Aunt Val tries to do something. She really did try. I mean, I was like, yep, that's about as well as she I would have done. She net tried more than not tried. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't just in like, debt. It's just like a needlessly <laughs> confusing way of putting that. Love no, her, I, love I, press. it was very clear. <laughs> it was actually perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so she takes her, you know, <laughs> not great but still existing outfit to to the mm-hmm. play and of course the teachers and kids decided that sympathy wasn't on the menu and so they start mocking her and being very cold and, and you know mm. in a way that I'm, i i went to a predominantly white school as a young person i kind of knew exactly what they meant that's sort of like letting the kids make fun of them and the teacher both agreeing with the kid but like on the surface being like stop that's not oh good. my god yeah that's so rude <laughs> you're like wow as a person in a position of authority don't you think you should be way more invested in these people's lives no okay <laughs> well that's fine <laughs> you're not causing harm to large groups of people like you're good so then um oh god you know uh birdie who's already if we remember from part one doesn't have a great time in the school and feels isolated she leaves <laughs> which honestly is the smartest thing to do right like yeah. i think a lot of times society will be like why didn't you just st- why should she stay <laughs> like she clearly picked up accurately that she was not wanted and so she mm-hmm. to make herself safe left but society sees that as the, the issue anyway so she goes back home and her uncles are there and um you know what and he molests her. So after that, yeah. the family doesn't really talk about it, although it's obvious. <laughs> it's very yeah, obvious yeah. that this abbey- yeah. happened and it's um, a conscious ignorance. And mm-hmm. she wonders, you know, Birdie, about her grandmother and how it felt to watch her sons turn into monsters. 
And it's intermixed mm. with this love she has for her grandmother who, you mm. know, helped her get her first bra and who who she kind of took comfort in her grandmother's decisiveness. And so it, it's really cool because she doesn't really pass a judgment on herself for her mixed feelings. She just accepts mm. that these two things exist and are true things that <laughs> happened. Um and she talks about how her grandmother could also shift, but it was a bit different and distinct. And mm. and yeah, so we'll give more comments and thoughts in <laughs> the discussion section. But for now, I'm just going to, you know, pass my plate over to Marcy, who will continue to season this summary. Yes. Just going to add some adobo to this motherfucker. <laughs> this plate. Um, yeah. So yes, so now we, so we're still like kind of in this like flashback moment, just kind of getting the different details of Birdie's life. So we see at 24, Birdie kind of, you know, reconnects with her family after spending years being unhoused. So she goes back to visit her family and there's, this is basically the instant, the instance where she burned down the house. So here's like the story. So basically Birdie came home and th- there was some kind of like talent show or something going on. So Birdie comes mm-hmm. home and Frida's at, at home and they're like catching up, talking, whoop, whoop, whoop. No one else is there because the uncles had like left to like, I don't know where they, basically nobody was there, right? So it was mm-hmm. just Frida and, and Birdie. And so as they're talking, um, eventually, so Uncle Larry, again, trigger warning, the one who molests Birdie is the, like he ends up coming home like before everybody else. So it was just mm-hmm. him and like the two of them, Berta, Birdie and Frida. And in both the this interaction and beforehand, we kind of see that like, with Frida and Birdie's dynamic, and this is something that I think kind of speaks to broader situations where p- people are mutually survivors of, you know, domestic violence, childhood sexual abuse, things of that mm-hmm. nature. Basically, there, there's a dynamic where Birdie kind of protects Frida um, in the sense that, like, you know, typically, you know, her uncles, their uncles' attention is more so focused on Birdie than it is on Frida. Frida, in this situation, has a lot of survivor's guilt about this. Um which mm-hmm. kind of extends to what Aka was talking about earlier with like sort of seeing Birdie in that state at, at Lola's place and being like, you know, I'm sad that Birdie's like this, but I'm also glad that it's not me. There's a similar kind of mm-hmm. ringing here as far as that whole situation with their uncle. And basically, yeah, that's just that's just something that like she there, there, there's sort of a nuance and, and a guilt in that dynamic feeling as though Frida's safety is predicated on Birdie's exposure to, to danger, danger and violence, which yeah. to be clear, to be clear. All this shit is mm-hmm. the uncle's fucking fault. I mean, it, yes, I mean, it yes, they, their uncle Larry was the worst, but like honestly, a lot of them sounded like they weren't. Re- they, yeah. they were also deeply violent, and so like none of this should be pushed on Birdie and Frida, who were uh, who were what children. So children. okay, let, let, just and just just to level set and say that piece, because like yes, mm-hmm. and, yes, and I just I just want to add. Oh, we could talk about, oh, but the systemic racism trickling down into domestic. Yes, that's all true. Yes, we all recognize that. Yes, that's all bad. Everybody is going through it. Aunt Val's going through it. Maggie's going through it. The kids are going through mm-hmm. it. So for the men, you're not the only ones who are hurting. You're not the only ones being taken away from your family. And I mean this for every, this applies to just above my head. This applies to every mm-hmm. community. If Aunt Val is not causing more harm to these children, if the worst thing Maggie does is leave, which isn't great either, you have Mm -hmm. to ask yourself, the damage of society does not negate your bad behavior that you perpetuate inside of your community. Mm -hmm. Should everyone have therapy? Yes. 
Are there problems? Yes. But find it in yourself to not perpetuate the harm. Right. Um, because at a certain point, somebody stops perpetuating. And in this case, as you can see, it's Birdie. And that's a lot for someone as young as she is. Right. Continue. I'm sorry. No, th- thank you for saying that. Because honestly, I mean, it's just, I'm glad you named that because I think sometimes, yes, you know, we, we, we know that systemic violence can can translate into interpersonal familial systems of violence as well. But like, there's also, isn't, people also have agency, right? It can also just like not, right? Like, it's like, mm-hmm. you could also just like not do this. And you can also, you know, not be so aligned to patriarchy that you feel as though like this is somehow you're entitled to, mm-hmm. you know, the women and girls in your family and can just act any type of way. And it's okay mm-hmm. because what, I, like, fuck all that. Like, literally that's garbage. Like, all of that is garbage. Anyway. So going back to the situation, though, basically Frida and Birdie were at home. Uncle Larry comes home. Birdie was like, hey, Frida, I'm going to need you to get out of here. It's about, mm-hmm. about to be on a popping with me and Uncle Larry. Like, this motherfucker tried it one too many times. And so basically Frida leaves and Birdie burns down the house with Uncle Larry in it. And yep. he dies. She, of course, doesn't. And so that's when she's sort of picked up and, you know, is, is taken to the 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 mental health institution. Um now, basically, from there, we kind of see some, like, more backstory for, like, each character. And, like, we kind of start to see them in, in present day. My bad. In present day, we start to see the characters. So that being Aunt Val, Lola, Frida, not well, not really Birdie. But I guess those three start to kind of become <laughs> closer to each other. In one of the flashbacks, we saw a situation. Actually, was this a flashback or did this happen current day? I don't even know. But basically, there was a situation where Lola. So apparently, Lola is just hot shit at the local karaoke <laughs> bar. Like, Mama is a regular and the girls live, child. So basically, Lola was like on her usual run wearing it out yeah and apparently at the karaoke bar walks in pat john who if you remember is birdie's crush from part what? one the guy who was in the beachcombers or whatever <gasps> so like he comes Which in is and a Lola real show, was like, apparently oh it was huh yeah anyway so pat john comes in and basically (laughs) (laughs) and so lola's like who is this new bitch what the what the fuck and so especially since pat john came in was like oh yeah lola are you singing the abcs um dj i would also like to sing the abcs um because I guess we're just going to have a lip sync battle, Mama. And Lola was like, bitch, nah. You, so there was like a whole, it was like a lip sync battle royale. It was wild. Everyone got their tins. It was fun. Anyway, so basically way, that. By the way, mm. if you were skipping, you can come back now. Just in case. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we're, yeah, we're back. Um, it's, we're, yeah, the rest. Thank you, Aka. The rest <laughs> is more psychologically safe to listen to. Unless, of course, the details of hearing about Lola's. <laughs> ridiculous antics is, some, is, is too much which which is also is also just like a lot um but basically <laughs> um there's a whole situation with um yeah so that's the whole thing and lola's like i should maybe tell birdie about sam pat john and like lip syncing for my life against him but like i don't know i, I feel like birdie's kind of kind of has a lot going on so she kind of like just drops the whole thing so yeah so um what happens next um oh yeah so we basically get to the, sort of the i guess the last part of the like linear flashbacks or whatever and we see birdie arriving in gibson mm-hmm. um so after birdie left the mental health institution she went to um a park called at 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 oh my god at <laughs> at 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 at
Um, and basically, she goes to see trees that that the Blackfoot people um, used to use in their ceremonies. Um, and so she meets a couple of people from the Blood Tribe, also known as like the Kanai Nation, which is part of the Blackfoot Confederation. So. In this flashback, we we see that Birdie notes that, you know, it kind of makes sense that historically the Bloods and the Crees didn't necessarily get along because just culturally they're very different. Um, I think this flashback was mainly just kind of used to just sort of paint the fact that, you know, indigenous people are not, not a monolith. Like there's a lot of sort of intergroup dynamics and nuances that need to be discussed. So Birdie was in Vancouver. She eventually goes to Gibson's. We see an early memory of Birdie um, in Gibson's with Lola. Oh my god, y'all! So this is like this. This shit was actually wild. So basically, so here, child. So Birdie threw Lola a fucking party. I think it was like a birthday party, some shit. So Birdie invites all of Lola's friends. The whippets are there. Um, I guess other people are there and at, just as people are drinking more, the whippets and Lola start to be like kind of rude and like racist and like fat phobic basically starting to come at birdie any type of way being like calling her all types of shit so birdie said bitch fuck this flips a fucking table i was in the cut you know just i was at the party too y'all just watching this and i was like <laughs> oh yeah yeah flip that motherfucker yes birdies and so birdie like storms out she's like fuck out of here with this like it's late so she leaves and then she's like damn i love my i love my purse um right but i already made a dramatic exit like girl <laughs> should i go back in so she like so i was like you look birdie i honestly like i i know you have a point to make but like you really do have some pretty right. important things that purse i feel like you should co- like like your pr- cuss them out when you go back inside grab your purse and leave and she was like i bet and so that's what she did <laughs> and i was like bet wear it out and basically the conclusion there was like do not don't come for Birdie unless she sins for that ass. Cause mm-hmm. she she will rule it. She will say, listen, this she said she said the party is over two de- today. Right now. This party ended actually at eleven seventeen when y'all got me fucked up. So <laughs> anyway, um <laughs> So yeah, so anyway, back to the present day. So that was just a fun little, you know, messy memory to throw in. Anyway, so so in the current day, we see that so Birdie historically used to write down a lot of ingredients on sheets of paper because she like loves cooking shows. And so she would write down like different ingredients for like recipes that she would see like on TV. And so Frida's like, okay, well, Birdie's still like kind of in the spiritual journey. Like I'm gonna go out and just buy these ingredients. We'll sort of just figure something out. Um, everyone's just really worried because Birdie hasn't eaten in weeks. And so basically they just start to kind of call family members and be like, look, I don't think Birdie's waking up. I think, I think, I think, you know, we should just prep, you know, prepare for a funeral basically. But plot twist, Birdie actually comes back to her body because she's done with her journey. She was like, I have done everything I needed. I'm we good. And so everyone's like, okay, well, I guess we're all, first of all here. And so, so basically Birdie's like, I boom. Well, I mean, I guess y'all all here. So um, I guess, you know, we can make something, you know, me, Lola, Aunt Val, Frida, we can make a little, little sum, sum. Mm-hmm. So they decide to make a dish and take it with the ingredients that Frida got. Um, and they go to this tree called Pimati Soen, which is basically sort of a tree that like, I guess plays a similar metaphorical role to like Birdie's journey. Like the tree itself is sick. And like, you know, this is essentially them kind of offering this tree some like some form of sustenance to kind of bring it back and so yeah that's kind of it's kind of where the journey is they just kind of you know like offer you know this food to this tree i think they eventually go back and you know kind of key with the family a little bit um there's an epilogue where we basically see maggie after she left home she actually also ended up in vancouver Mm -hmm. um but honestly she might have become many of sort of like missing indigenous women and no one really can say what necessarily happened to her like she just mm-hmm. kind of like 
vanished a little bit. Not a little, you can't a little bit vanish, but yeah, she just kind of yeah. like, folks don't really fully know what happened. So I think it's yeah. kind of like, you know, to the author's point, talking about the fact that a lot of indigenous people, no, indigenous women and femme folk go missing each year and their cases are unresolved. I think she's putting a person to one of those people. Um, Mm. I think I think that's I we could be wrong. <laughs> I mean, this is what mm. we got out of it. But you know where we can talk about what we may or may not be wrong about in the discussion section. So we, we can. will be right back. Sounds good. See y'all in a bit. Woo. And we're back. Woo. Or yeah, like, so I guess you know. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yes. Yeah. Well, I guess we should discuss. So, um <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I guess I can start or oh, whatever. First of all, again, just want to revisit the fact that Birdie turned all this shit over at Lola's birthday party, which is both chaotic and so appropriate. I just really love that that happened. <laughs> so, very much just want to lift that up again and just tell y'all that Birdie's not the one, the two, the three, nor the four. She is not to be fucked with. Not nope. today, not tomorrow, not next week. And we love to see it. So that was fun. Um, aside from that, I guess actual thoughts for the book. I did appreciate, um, like, I did sort of appreciate the camaraderie that started to emerge in this second half between, like, Frida, Birdie, Val, and Lola. Mm. Lola with like a heavy asterisk, like a heavy asterisk, but whatever. I don't know. Like, there's something about their relationship that was kind of like nice a little bit. Like, it was kind of like, okay, like we're all coming together to take care of Birdie. We're taking turns. We're reckoning with ourselves. Like, I like the fact that Birdie's diving into her own past and working to heal her own trauma also kind of prompted something similar for these three women as well like to kind of like reflect and think about where they've come from and kind of how they've shown up in birdie's life um Mm. and i and i yeah so i just i like this sort of contagion of that reflection i thought that was a really really a really dope motif and also not to give too much space to lola like i don't know like i really don't want to drag it but i also kind of liked the depiction of I mean, yes, I mean, we hate that Lola is, like, racist and, like, annoying. But, like, yeah. it's also, I like to, I, in the, as an optimistic read of this group, I like to think that, like, you know, perhaps this is one of those moments where it's, like, I mean, yes, should people of color be forced in situations with hostile white people and then have those same white people out of exposure to them, like, Change. reduce their biases yeah. and racial prejudices? Like, should we have to be put in harm's way for their learning? Hell, hell No. And I am kind of like, okay, well, I'm glad that Lola seems a little less terrible at the end of this. I don't know. Like, it's just like, <laughs> that's great, I guess. Um, well, I also think Lola doesn't have to change. <laughs> you know, no yeah. one has to change. There's like this really fun episode of Atlanta in season three where Liam Neeson is talking to the main character, Paperboy, and he's playing Liam Neeson. He's not even playing a character. He's just Liam Neeson. And they talk about, if everyone remembers, Liam Neeson said some pretty derogatory things about this one time and black people. But he says this line at the end, because Paperboy's like, mm-hmm. oh, you got called out, and so now now you like understand what happened, and you know you don't... You don't hate black people and, and you understand now. And Liam Neeson was like, no, I hate John, the character in the show. He obviously in the show, he's like, I hate John more than 
than ever because you try to ruin my career. And Paperboy's like, wait, but what about, didn't you grow at all from that experience? <laughs> and didn't you feel the pain of the other people? And he was like, to be honest, he's like the best and worst thing about being white in America is that mm. you don't have to learn anything you don't want to. Mm. <laughs> I was See. like, ooh. So that was very poignant. And I think Lola has faith that there's more than she's seeing. There's more than what the whippets are saying. There's more than what she's experienced and been, been taught. And she's willing mm-hmm. to go out on a limb and 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 do what we said in the first mm-hmm. part, which is, I know this is true. And if you're mm-hmm. going through this, knowing what I know, this must be true for you too. So she, knowing mm-hmm. the domestic violence that she experienced, knows that there's something here something that makes Mm -hmm. her realize that we're the same so you know whether or not to give cookies or not to give cookies (laughs) um i mean the plate of cookies is still full like they have not been dispensed (laughs) um they're in the room as lola but like they they will remain on the plate um right but 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 the point is you could (laughs) for some reason my mind is just like a piping on plate of cookies and i'm like those look very delicious but right no "Hmm." lola's like wait so i really can't have one and i'm like handing them to literally everybody else and i'm like oh did you say something she's like (laughs) (laughs) just just very casually cruel Um, i'm dead but the point is the point is lola is 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 growing and expanding and learning and and that's i think where your positive appreciation for her is coming from right thank you friend yeah Mm -hmm. and and that's something that i'm like okay like but also yeah to to your point offering resources if we right like yeah anyway sorry mm -hmm. like you know her home like you know like she's it's not like a like, like, like she. I don't think. I mean, they didn't mention like charge and rent or nothing like Mm-mm. that. I feel like she literally was just like, "Yeah, y'all can just stay until mm-hmm. Birdie's okay." So there's something about like that that I'm like, "Okay, I feel like you're kind of yeah, Lola's growing a little bit." Um, mm-hmm. I'm like looking at the plate of cookies. I'm like, "Child, cut a quarter, cut a quarter of a cookie, <laughs> a quarter, uh, one, don't, not a third, not a third, a quarter, and she can have that." We'll deliberate about the rest. Um, so, yeah. So, like, that's kind of... Uh, I'm sure everyone's like, what on God's <laughs> green earth is this? Ep- My word. Yeah. This just is existing on the internet. Um, so, yeah. So, those are just some preliminary thoughts I have. Certainly have some other ones. But, like, overall, I did definitely think that, like... I mean, this book, truly, I said it in part one. It's it's one of a kind. I've never read some yeah. shit like this in my life. And I really... I, I wasn't sure if I was going to like it, but I can definitely say I really, really appreciated it. I think part mm. two did a great job of taking what was what still remained to be a very nonlinear and sort of ethereal story and also providing context and grounding the reader in different ways that I was like, okay, like I'm not like, I'm like, we're jumping around, but I'm not lost. Like I know what's happening, Ooh, you know? And so, yes. And also, I thought that was really effective as a writing motif, especially to depict kind of the the same, I mean, literally what's going on in Birdie's journey, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. not like you're, you know, it's like it, 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 that kind of spiritual progression is one in which there's a lot of nonlinearity. You're hopping back and forth present day, like all like it's like you're both existing in real time, but also you're existing like somewhere else entirely. And so like, I feel like the writing just really captured the energy of Birdie's journey really effectively in a way that yeah. i was like huh didn't really put that together fully in part one but i think all of this just felt very intentional and i was like tracy here here are your flowers because you did that you so did that. 
Yeah, but um, I've been talking a lot. Aka, what'd you think? <laughs> I really like what you said, that it jumps around, but it's not confusing. And, mm-hmm. you know, this, On Earth We're Briefly Gorgeous, a lot of different books have this this idea of of non-linear time and we we mm-hmm. associate with, we associate it with trauma because maybe trauma is a thing that pushes us out of this reality hard enough um mm-hmm. to kind of you know <laughs> release us from the misconception of linear time but mm-hmm. these these memories in her mind are places you know or places is maybe a little too simplistic, but right there, mm-hmm. points, points that make up a constellation. And and mm-hmm. the book is about her saying, all of these points exist, but what I need to do is rewrite the constellation of what this mm-hmm. means. Re-emphasize, solve, understand, put in context, and decide how this, how I'm going to draw <laughs> the picture of mm-hmm. my, myself on my own terms mm-hmm. and i really think this book is really beautiful in that way and it mm-hmm. offers a an avenue of healing that is it, it gives autonomy to the person who's experienced the trauma and it also mm-hmm. gives it, it it gives you your control back right and uh, maybe mm-hmm. it gives you your maybe autonomy is actually the word i maybe i was right the first time it gives you mm-hmm. that back to say that you are the person who decides how this goes again mm. um, and that's really really a big deal <laughs> when that's been taken yeah. from you it might be mm. the biggest deal and the book doesn't do it in a way that tells you how how to be and it, you know what I also love about this book? It doesn't tell you the process is beautiful at all. Mm-hmm. Bernie's process of this is is very unbeautiful. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's one that allows, allows stillness and allows not mm-hmm. having to explain yourself to people and not having to say you're okay when you're mm-hmm. not okay. You know, <laughs> it allows the complete ability to say, I'm going to figure this out <laughs> mm-hmm. for me in my mind. I mean, everyone mm-hmm. else has gotten to decide what me means to them. Now I'm mm-hmm. deciding what me means for me. Um, mm-hmm. And and I really, I really like that. Um, I, I thought it was v- very brilliant. I didn't, and I think it starts off in a very. I'm going to say ethereal again, even though I'm like ethereal, maybe choose a different mm. one. But um, the book starts <laughs> off <laughs> very kind of ethereal. I just imagined a pool of like other words being like, hey, did you consider me? Hey, like I'm, I'm here too. And then ethereal's like, you've heard nothing, nothing. Ignore them. <laughs> just get rid of them it's it's only me you and i <laughs> we will take this into the sunset um, um it's yes. kind of like in toy story the first one where it's like all those different um like aliens inside of the little toy thing and it's like the claw mm-hmm. but like ethereal just like keeps jumping into the claw and being pulled right. like, <laughs> <laughs> um also throwback <laughs> i know <laughs> right shit tvt truly truly but but yeah i really like that <sighs> i I, <laughs> I can't what um yeah i don't know i i really like this book i really like 
the idea of shifting it made me think because there's a point mm-hmm. it, you know and I, I you know in part one i described shifting as the same as disassociation and i i kind of want to i want to like re not a re-examine reopen i i want to like re mm. I, add a caveat i don't know i want to do something nuance whatever right. <laughs> but i <laughs> I, I think because they talk about her grandmother <laughs> kind of shifting in a way that was different and and you know and i've experienced this too and i kind of hinted at this this association is maybe the trauma that comes with that or the, mm-hmm. the trauma aspect of that but that but that what they call shifting in this book is is bigger than that and mm-hmm. and when birdie has the strength she describes herself as being a bird as she goes through her memories and when mm-hmm. when birdie is going up against her uncle you know she describes herself as like as like you know as a bird <laughs> like as all mm-hmm. these things happen like she's like i don't know where the power came from but then i like grab this thing like i don't know what happened but then here's the next th- you know like to mm-hmm. be as as this connection to, to to something maybe intuitive or instinctive you know of this inner mm-hmm. strength this inner beauty this moreness you know we we are not the flat beings that we other people may project onto us and 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 getting in touch with that in, in a so that shifting isn't always just you know, that clinical definition I was giving. I think that's kind of what, what's it called? Like kind of um, inauthentic to the fact that this mm. book is, is talking of, and Tracy's work of mixing the legal mm-hmm. of like the Western world world and, and like indigenous legal systems. And I think mm-hmm. in that she's, she's, <laughs> I was going to use epistemology. I'm not going to, but in that similarly, <laughs> right. Is, is <laughs> expanding, you know the psychological to to mm. to restore the truth of right. of of the you know the cultural epistemological understanding of that okay i read mm. a book that was like the lady was like i used to use epistemology to explain everything about what i meant about knowledge but then i dropped that word and just started using knowledge and i felt a little red and a little seen but also <laughs> like <laughs> wait i'm sorry this is like i refuse to believe that you just readily came across someone saying this are you serious like that no, literally happened it was a book it literally was it's i uh, will talk about it one day but the book and it has like <laughs> epistemology and the title and so i picked it up being like aha this is for me and then it, the first opening intro made me re-examine the whole idea and it was actually another it a book about a different indigenous culture and the idea of like mm. epistemology what what let's like reimagine even the usage of that word okay so this is interesting because didn't p jelly clark also read the girls who use p- epistemology uh-huh, too and uh-huh, it was just kind of uh-huh. like huh mm-hmm. guess people are really aren't fucking with that word recently interesting 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 i, I think like, it's you know it's it, i think the the main point uh, this is a tangent but it's like to say epistemology is to say in a, in a Western lens is to say, kind of ignore that people have been knowing things <laughs> like throughout history mm. and like and those different schemas of knowing things and you wouldn't call them epistemology and even to call it epistemology is to to change the schema of knowing it, you know, it's it mm. yeah well anyway that's a conversation for a different time completely but yeah I really liked this this book (laughs) it Mm -hmm. helped me kind of tell myself that you know you're allowed time to change hence my Mm -hmm. question at the beginning and i think that's a really powerful thing to give women of color um indigenous women first nation women because 
time to change seems to be <laughs> the one thing society doesn't want to give us. So, mm. so I love that. Um, yeah. What else did you like, Marcy? Yeah. Hmm, what else? What else? Um, I mean, very much I agree with that piece around the shifting and just sort of the the agency that it affords the one doing it. Like this idea that the past is something that can still be not necessarily intervened on, but like there can be a malleability in how we are narrating it to ourselves or what we're sort of like taking away from it and things like that, which is like, I mean, I feel like that's a general truth that's something i like to believe about mm-hmm. about time and and how you know the past is not is not static it's something that we can we always sort of can play with as well um and so i just thought it being depicted in this way was really really dope also kind of a tangent and not a, not a, that's this literally isn't a tangent this is just me answering your question um i so like <laughs> i actually also really love the depiction of fat bodies in this book like i heavy fucked with it like mm. i feel like because you know in in especially in the fo- among the four you know there's lola frida um val and birdie and like birdie herself is fat as is on val and like you know there's always this description of lola of, of frida being like skinny frida like blah, blah blah and like it's interesting because i feel like in the depiction of fat bodies in this book is never like disrespectful or made mm-hmm. to seem see like a made to seem like a joke or like oh because someone is fat because a, a woman is fat that like that means that like that that takes away any 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 desirability or anything mm-hmm. like that i mean Aunt val is out here wearing it out Mama is. Go- Ooh, I mean, truly. not saying that you need the external validation of men to prove that you're desirable. Like, let, let, let me let me just, just clock myself for what mm. I said just now or implied. But I, I think there's a there's a more than just external validation. There's an internal sort of um, validation that she that she kind of gives herself, right? Like, there's yeah. sort of that feeling of beauty that's sort of self generated um, in a way that's just very lovely to witness. And also, too, like it's interesting because you know, oftentimes within like a fat phobic schema there's this idea that okay if someone's fat that that is coded as being unhealthy whereas skinny is seen as at least being healthy if not healthy neutral from Mm -hmm. like a health point of view but like the book kind of subverts that a lot like birdie for example herself like she throughout this this um you know spiritual journey she's like laying in bed she's not eating so she becomes like a lot thinner but people are like birdie looks sick like it's not like Mm -hmm. this like oh my god she's so beautiful look at her she's finally skinny it's like no she looks ill like this is Mm -hmm. not like you know we like let's move away from this shit um and so i don't know i just felt like there was a the way that it was written in the book i just thought was very it was it was a very clear theme and a point being made and i was just kind of like i I like these descriptions like it's not moving away from the reality of like you know being a socialized and a fat phobic society like that like Mm -hmm. that that like that still comes with its challenges and like you know having struggles with body image and stuff like that i mean that that's talked about and that makes sense but it's also i feel like there's a especially in aunt val's character you kind of see this projection of like okay but like this actually like there's a lot of beauty that mm-hmm. you know it's it is typically a race right and so so finding that space within oneself is really important and that's also something that generally speaking people also respond to as well and so i was kind of like this is dope so yeah. anyway just wanted to say that so <laughs> so yes yeah i wanted to pirouette off that point um you know how something <laughs> yes. like used to be a joke but then now is actually just your way of communicating um anyway <laughs> <laughs> Like, just unironically say shit like that, and they're like, 
Like, I remember there's someone at work who, like, at a couple jobs ago, she was like, I just really want to walk the dog on this point that this person <laughs> made. Like, she, like, would literally always say that. And so I would start saying that. And then I started to unironically say it. I was like, I got it. I got to stop saying it altogether because I will, I will literally be on the podcast. Like, yeah, so I could really just walk in the dog on what you just said. It's like, that's not, those are not words. Like, do not ever put those string of words together. Like, that literally doesn't make sense. Where's the puppy? Anyway. Really, just want to snowboard down your point. Um, right. <laughs> just want to cartwheel off of that. It's like, well, okay, so we're just. I'm so we're confused. Just, <laughs> but um, what this book made? Sorry, what this book made me think of was, well, let me walk it back first. Echoing what Marcy said, I think also the book does a really great job of showing that Anfal, who is larger in size is actually very well adjusted for whatever that means in the circumstances that they're in. Frida mm-hmm. is skinnier in the story, but she has issues, <laughs> very strong mm-hmm. ones and, and a lot yeah. of trauma. And they manifest in her body in a different way, which is this this anxiety, this nervousness. It's that's That honestly actually does have social negative ramifications, right? People are like, oh, Frida talks so much. She talks so much. But then you learn throughout the story mm. that this is a nervousness to fill up a space, right? An anxiety in the same way. And, and so what I really liked about this is they're saying, one, your body, it could just be your body, but also your body internalizes and reacts to trauma. Um, and so if, mm. I don't know if anyone's read Hunger by Roxane Gay and how she talks about <gasps> trauma I, it's, on, it's, it's on my list but i haven't read it it's, it's, it's very good but she but, but but i mean whether it's good or not it's her story but the, the point is um she talks about weight using weight as a defense and a lot of people fluctuate either gaining weight losing weight as a control and we talked about in response to a violence right as a way to, to, to either mm. make yourself this you know quote unquote uh, unattractive to the world so that the violence doesn't come towards you you know the similar way that you know if you're a woman or a femme person you might put on a lot of baggy clothes going outside wanting to become you know invisible or not a target not mm. to be blamed um and, mm. and other people lose a lot of weight so th- sometimes like regulating their e- eating to to control the, like have control <laughs> in a way that they didn't mm-hmm. have have control before and so mm-hmm. it's it, it's not to say that your body shape is indicative of you having a trauma or any more or less than anyone else you mm-hmm. know but it is to say that for some people the reaction to a trauma is is a fluctuation in weight and mm-hmm. so but when that comes to fat phobia and you're just talking about why can't you control yourself why can't you just exercise why can't you just this and this and that how often do we address mm-hmm the underlying emotional issues at play and how often do we penalize the people who cause that emotional or systemic issue what Mm -hmm. zero fascinating (laughs) yeah um which made me also kind of think about justice in an unjust world right you Mm -hmm. know i was thinking like hmm birdie murdered her uncle and i was like there's a lot of stories out there of women aunties cousins Mm -hmm. (laughs) nieces who the man in the family suddenly is not there anymore (laughs) Um, no one said anything about why he's not there anymore but he's not there anymore and 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 what does it mean when the society will not penalize i guess what i'm saying is why would you have to follow the rules of the society if the society refuses to do what the society society is supposed to do which is Mm -hmm. justice right which is to take into account the humanity of all the parts of the society and make it harmonious. Mm. This is clearly 
not harmonious, <laughs> but there doesn't seem to be anyone who's willing to tip the scale. So at that point, I mean, I'm sitting there and I'm like, at that point, you burn a house down. And I think maybe yeah. we should consider that on the microscopic scale. And maybe we consider mm-hmm. that on the macroscopic scale as well. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we think about that. Societies mm-hmm. are only as strong as the people we care the least about. And just mm-hmm. know, and, and this is kind of to the point about Birdie flipping the table, just know that the person who we assume to be the weakest is still human. And the, mm. the wheel of fate will turn again. <laughs> and someone who has no power might very well be the person in power. And so the question is, if you do this to someone, ask yourself what happens if they suddenly are no longer powerless. And then ask yourself mm. if you're willing to do what you just did. <laughs> mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm just, I guess what I'm saying, like Frank Ocean, you know, think a little further ahead. Hey. So that's that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that, friend. I love that. And I guess just to, to transition to quotes real quick, I mm. I don't have the exact quote with me, but what you were saying about um, when you're talking about Hunger by Roxane Gay, I remember there was a quote, something to the effect of talking about how Birdie, when she was younger, you know, she used to live in this, um, you know, when she was living with Maggie, she like lived in this room underneath the staircase. And that room, you know, was a room in which she experienced a lot of violence. And so, you know, at night she used to like put a dresser in front of her door and things like that. And I remember there was a line, something to the effect of talking about just how Birdie, as she got older, just started to eat a lot more. Mm. And it said something to the effect of like, you know, she thought if she got big enough, like, you know, there would be no room for anyone else, like Mm. talking about her inside her own room. And I was like, that's very, just the way that that was described, I was like, I I mean, literally, I mean, you already said this piece around sort of like the the relationship to trauma. And like, I was like, that's a very, I just remember hearing that line and being like, write that one down, Marcy, just, just write that one down. Mm. It'll come up. It'll come up. So, um, yeah, so definitely, um, yeah, just appreciate that. But yeah, a lot of really, really good quotes in this book, though. Yeah. The one I liked was, it was kind of like, Birdie's like deciding moment, I guess, when she was, you know, I guess the thesis of the of the author's point came into play where she says, what she had to do was find the space where her memory could live peaceably with her body. She could not take her body with her, so she willed herself to leave. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's the point of the story. Like, if you get nothing else from the story, if in fact, if you are reading the story and you're like, I don't know where this is going, just like go to this quote and be like, oh, and then just start over from the beginning and then everything will just make sense. So, <laughs> right. <yeah>. Correct. <laughs> well, if you uh, have thoughts about what it is that just happened for the amount of time that it happened for. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> You can you can add us at Twitter. We may or may not respond at the color pages. Instagram at mm-hmm. these color pages. But you know what we we likely will respond to our email these color pages at gmail and we got a mm-hmm. website. Also, you know, on the website you could also contact us. It'll just go to our email, so you can like skip the line and just go there. But it's called these right. color pages <laughs> and it's cute. There's lots of pictures. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yes and if this show brought you any love light delight mm, yeah because this is what poetry mm-hmm. please leave us some love wherever you're listening to this podcast you know which could be apple podcast or not so regardless <laughs> wherever you're listening to the podcast leave us a little comment a little rating a little reveal moment you know all those things we love to see it also if you for 
I I can't even I don't even know why this would even be the case but if for some reason you just really liked this episode and you know you think of someone else where you're like you know what you need in your life um I'm not even going to try to summarize what this was but take this um so feel free to you know just send this episode to them if you think they would really fuck with it and then from there just you know just take a nap and mm. then when you wake up, take your phone and just throw it into someone's <laughs> chimney and then move to the Not Netherlands a chimney. and just start a new life. Um, because really, all of those actions are just going to really help us grow as a show and as a community. And that's, I mean, that's really all we do at the end of the day, right? Like, that's like, I mean, we, 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 I mean, we, we just want to expand with all of you. Um, so, yes. Now, next time, we are going to be talking about... <gasps> My pick. It's the last book, by the way, of our regular Ooh. series. So, summer short series coming soon. Um, that's wild. But um, next time we're gonna be talking about this book called Fierce Femmes and Notorious Liars by Kai Chang Tom. So, between now and then, Akko, are there anything, any other things we should leave our listeners with before we head out? No, just until we meet again. Remember to. <gasps> Stay colorful!